Fomenting Racism in the 21st Century, The Ideology of Black Lives Matter and Other Social Justice Organizations teaches that all whites are racist oppressors, thereby justifying verbal attacks on people who are deemed inveterate racists and justifying riots to destroy everything that has emerged from an allegedly irremediable racist system. In promoting an explicitly racist ideology, BLM and other social justice organizations institutionalize racism, the fruits of which we are still suffering. In America-hating revolutionaries' hell-bent quest to destroy America by destroying its institutions and history, 60 monuments have been removed, ordered removed, defaced, or torn down. In addition, according to Reinsurance News, quote, while no estimates of the cost of the damage is available yet, a look back at the costliest U.S. civil disorders shows that there's potential for claims from the current riots, which are in multiple cities, to have easily run into the billions of dollars already, end quote. Worse still, this BLM-led revolution has resulted in 25 deaths, hundreds of injuries, including injuries to 700 law enforcement officers, and the establishment of a rogue nation in the midst of downtown Seattle with the blessing of the incompetent mayor who called the squalid, uninhabitable, and dangerous encampment a free love street fair. The culture destroyers are not done yet. Well-known racist activist Sean King, whose purported racial identity and many fundraising projects are questioned by even leftists, recently tweeted, quote, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy, always have been. And all murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They are a gross form of white supremacy created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda. They should all come down, end quote. BLM is a destructive revolutionary group leading a Maoist-like cultural revolution, and many conservatives don't seem to understand that. Those who support BLM and its skin-pigment-obsessed, divisive, separatist, elitist ideology are de facto racists, no matter their skin color. In National Review, Kyle Smith describes the white liberal BLM disciples as the white guilt cult, And I quote him, amidst nationwide Black Lives Matter protests, a black man and woman are seated on a park bench while a white woman takes to her megaphone. We repent on behalf of uh, Caucasian people, she says. A small crowd of white people comes to kneel before the two seated black folks who are co-pastors of a local church. Some of the kneelers wash the feet of the black people. Several people start audibly weeping or keening as the speaker continues. Roughly a dozen people join in the gesture and kneel before the black couple. We have put our necks, put our hands, our knees upon the necks of our African-American brothers and sisters, people of color, indigenous people. The original sin in the white guilt cult, the new church of anti-racism, is to be a Caucasian people. If anything, the Great Awakening's response to the George Floyd killing seems to be bolstering racial barriers rather than eradicating them. 
By making a religion of anti-racism, white people carry on with the long-standing project of othering black folks. Take the principles of woke in vain, and you invite instantaneous ritual chastisement, the most thrilling ecstatic element of the woke religion. The techno-narcissistic innovation of the wokesters is that they have made themselves, as a collective, their own godhead, equipped with the authority to wield and unleash the thunderbolt of righteousness on blasphemers here and now on their own authority. White silence equals violence is one new precept gaining currency. How exciting it must be to upend the meanings of words in service of the greater cause of smiting one's perceived enemies, or even whatever suspected counter-revolutionaries there may be among one's sworn allies. No one dared to be the first to stop applauding a Stalin speech, end quote. Even Chick-fil-A CEO Dan Cathy has joined the anti-biblical white guilt cult, last week calling for white people to pay penance for sinful acts of racism that they never committed by shining the shoes of black people. The ideology of Black Lives Matter is repackaged socialism with its focus on economic redistribution. Social justice theory emphasizes redistribution of wealth and values uniformity of economic and social position over liberty. Social justice advocates seek to use the force of government to establish economic uniformity. Its other dominant features pertain to race, sex, class, sexual orientation, and gender identity. Social justice theory encourages people to view the world through the divisive lens of identity politics that demarcates groups according to which group constitutes the oppressors and which the oppressed. Those who are identified as the oppressors need not have committed any acts of actual persecution or oppression, nor feel any sense of superiority toward or dislike of the supposed oppressed class. It promotes the idea that institutional racism, as opposed to actual acts of mistreatment of individuals by other individuals, is the cause of differing lots in life. Social justice theorists cultivate the racist, sexist, heterophobic stereotype that whites, males, and heterosexuals are oppressors, which are offensive, bigoted stereotypes that rob minorities of a sense of agency in and responsibility for their own lives, telling them that their lots in life cannot improve through their own efforts, but only through an appropriate degree of self-flagellation on the parts of the purported oppressors. It cultivates a sense of perpetual victimization and powerlessness on the parts of minorities and an irrational and illegitimate sense of guilt on the parts of whites or men or heterosexuals. Finally, social justice theory is distinctly anti-American and hyper-focuses on America's mistakes and failings. Social justice theory diminishes or ignores the remarkable success America has achieved in integrating virtually every ethnic and racial group in the world, and enabling people to improve their lots in life through economic opportunity and American principles of liberty and equality. Racism peddlers, including colorless racism peddlers and profiteers like Robin D'Angelo, author of White Fragility, disseminate their cancerous ideology everywhere. Many Americans view our colleges and universities as the primary indoctrination centers but they should look at government middle and high schools because indoctrinating the next generation begins way before college. Through professional development, 
which are the teacher training workshops, seminars, and conferences that take place during summer breaks, institute days, and late arrival days, teachers are being coached and pressured by administrators and colleagues to adopt the beliefs of anti-racism and diversity trainers whose hefty fees are paid for by the public. Teachers are forced to attend these indoctrination workshops, which never include resources or experts that challenge the assumptions of anti-racism trainers. Teachers are then expected or pressured into incorporating these revolutionary leftist and dubious beliefs into their classroom instruction. The anti-racism predatory scammers profit from peddling guilt to whites, shaming them into falsely believing or pretending to believe they are racists. The snake oil salesmen and women do that in two ways. First, they redefine racism. Racism no longer refers to the belief that people with brown or black skin are by nature inferior, nor does it refer to individual acts of incivility, unkindness, oppression, or violence. It refers to being white in a culture whose power structures used to be controlled by whites. Whites are guilty of racism and oppression based on nothing more than the color of their skin. This repugnant redefinition is the antithesis of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream for America. It's also unbiblical. The second way snake oil salespersons peddle their ugly wares is equally sneaky. They recast all criticism of or opposition to their ideology as something negative, thereby making those who disagree reluctant to express their opposition. Robin D'Angelo insultingly describes the denials of white-skinned people that they are racists as white fragility. Those whites who actually aren't racists don't want to deny being racists because if they do, they'll then be charged with non-existent white fragility on top of their non-existent racism. When I worked at Deerfield High School, the school hired expensive racism huckster from California, Glenn Singleton, to teach District 113 employees about their racism. At his first lecture to the entire district, Singleton pre-classified his audience as falling into three categories according to their potential responses to his theories. The first group were those who would agree with him immediately. The second group were those who would be on the fence and need to be convinced. And the third group were those, quote, who are gifted at subverting reform, end quote. In other words, those who dare to disagree with his theories were gifted at subverting reform. Singleton cunningly attempted to prevent criticism by pre-labeling pejoratively those who disagreed with him. This dishonest labeling tactic works because we let it. Organizations, resources, and profiteers that provide anti-racism propaganda to government schools are numerous, but here are some that taxpayers should watch out for. The 1619 Project, a much-criticized revision of American history by the New York Times and racism peddler slash activist Nicole Hannah-Jones. Teaching Tolerance, a project of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Deep Equity. White Privilege Conference, Pacific Education Group slash Courageous Conversation About Race, whose founder is Glenn Singleton. The National Seed Project, which stands for Seeking Education, Equity, and Diversity. White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack, which is an essay written by Peggy McIntosh. 
and The People's History of the United States, a revisionist history written by socialist Howard Zinn. It's not racist to criticize the loathsome and extremist Black Lives Matter organization that is explicitly committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure led by a mother and a father and to normalizing homosexuality and transcultic beliefs and practices. Such sound and important criticism does not become racist just because leftists shriek over and over and over that it is. Their epithet hurling is not a magical incantation that turns truth into ugliness. It is a means of intimidation that leftists use all the time because conservatives quake and crumble in its wake. Snap out of it, conservatives, or you feed and strengthen the belching behemoth.